Hey folks, thank you once again for joining us on Sunday School Bonanza. We're excited to be here with you this week. Brand new episode here in 2017. I'm dating this so that you know that we mean it. Um, anyway, we're excited to be here. Church history, all that good stuff. A little rusty, so we hope I can work out some of the kinks as we get into this episode. But before we do that, I would like to introduce my, my fellow luminary, the wonderful founder and, can I call you a CEO now, of Leading LDS... Kurt Frankum is in the oh, house, folks. Go on. You know, I don't want to be the guy who like shows up to the, the network party and says he's a CEO and then they find out like I'm the only guy working there. So yep. I, I like to go for the title of executive director of leading LDS. Whatever you want, man. Titles are titles. I'm, I'm all for it's it. True. It's, it's true. It's so. true. I, I live in a, in a rather title happy area, so I'm, I'm all true. for doing whatever But you uh, want. call me what you ha- what you will. Uh, I've got all sorts of hats I wear through my life, but uh, I'm grateful to be back in the in the Sunday School Bonanza world and excited to participate again and talk through some some lessons. Yeah, we love our, our good Kurt. Kurt, tell us just a real quick, how's stuff been going at Leading LDS? You've had a pretty pretty exciting 12 months, I would say. Oh, yeah, right? man. So I've learned a lot. Uh, we've grown a lot. We uh, are officially a nonprofit, 501c3 uh, company, uh, nonprofit uh, or just corporation, like the you could say. Just like the that's, church. That's right. So yeah. uh, send us your uh, an additional 10% and we'll be, we'll be happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, and so we uh, went through Kurt's that nightmare. presidency, by the way, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm always looking for uh, there, uh, every moment is a fundra- fundraising sure, opportunity, sure, sure. you know, in, in my world now. So, um, yeah, so we got the, the podcast going. We've revamped the website. A lot of uh, good resources and, and uh, uh, events coming up that we're putting together. We're going to do some uh, two or three or four uh, online summits this coming year in 2017. And um, yeah, if, if you, you listeners out there are a bishop or at least a society president or a leader of any capacity, come check us out. And if you know one, uh, tell them to come check us out. There but we go. uh, we're, we've got a lot of good thought happening at Leading LDS. It's very busy. And if I can do a pre-plug, we're going to be doing a bit of a, a co-interview thing shortly. Yes. So you'll get it on Kurtz, and you can also on, on the This Week in Mormons podcast, we'll yeah, carry be it fun. there as well. So that'll be fun, too. Well, folks, this is a great lesson. Uh, it's called "I Had Seen a Vision." I wonder what it's about. First vision, Jeff. Okay, first vision. Yes, the first vision. So, <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about the first vision in general. Basically, the materials for this lesson: no doctrine and covenants. The whole thing is Joseph Smith history and our heritage, as well as some other material. And what I'm really excited about uh, with this year is we have the same basic manual that we had four years ago. The last time we did. Doctrine and Covenants in Church History. However, they have added in links and supplemental material uh, related to especially some of the Gospel Topics essays that have come out in recent years. Also, there's a new publication on the Church's website uh, called Revelations in Context. They've put out a lot of new stuff to help us get a better understanding, particularly of Church History. And I think that's good because I am not a scholar of Church History by any means. And uh, and that's why you called me Jeff. That's, that's why exactly why. And, but that's why we, there people have struggled. And the first vision is even one of yep. those things where you find, sadly, people say, "Oh, there's multiple accounts of it. What's up with that? I've got problems." You know? Yeah. And, we're and I don't s- think I don't think a Sunday school teacher's ever brought up the multiple accounts in you know a traditional Sunday school class. So this is cool that the church is putting this out there and almost encouraging you know to have that discussion. It doesn't have to dominate your lesson. And by that's means, what and that's what that's we great. need to do. And we're going for yeah. more of that transparency now of saying, hey, we've had nothing to hide. Maybe we haven't haven't pointed towards this stuff before, but let's be a little more open about it so people don't 
feel like they were caught off guard. Uh, yeah. the, the downside to this, though, is I've realized all this great new material is not linked in the uh, the student manual that none of you ever read, so <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. It's right. only in the teacher's manual, but it's there. Now, before we get into it, I would love, as I often do, to talk about the attention activity, which this one's a, this is a weaker one. I'm giving this a two on a scale of it's. one to ten. This, is, this one's not very strong. So you're supposed to bring a, cl- a clock, a map, or a globe, and a piece of clothing. An article anything. of men's clothing, Jeff. Men's clothing. It could be anything. Could be a anything. Sock. Could be a hat that Pharrell wears. Anything you want, <laughs> it could be that. And you're supposed to show... You can explain it, Kurt. You know where we're going with this. So what do you do with the three pieces of clothing when you before yeah, the class so starts? You you show the clock and the map or the globe, and then you label, and, oh. the, and they're labels to class members. So Good labeling. And I explain, uh, then explain that this lesson discusses how the Lord prepared the right time Time. And the right place, yeah, the globe, the restoration, and his gospel after many centuries of the apostasy. So, right and then time, the right, right place, and the right, right mind. Same the right bat man. channel, the same right bat man time. With, with the clothes. Yeah. So, oh, the right man. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, don't use that one if you're teaching. If you do, you get three demerits. I would I dissuade you <laughs> from using that. You will be reported to Sunday School Bonanza. Yeah. We'll blacklist you. I will come to get you. <laughs> in America. So, anyway, let's get into it. I believe Kurt is going to lead us off here just with a yeah. little bit of. So obviously, uh, you know, the apostasy is, this is the end of the apostasy with the the first vision, but that doesn't mean nothing happened prior to the first vision to prepare um, for the restoration of the the gospel. And as we've learned from President Uchtdorf a few years ago, that the, the restoration is still carrying on and it's we're, it's we're living in it and it's fantastic so um you know th- this is an opportunity to take with the class to uh, to talk about some of the preparations that were that were made and and some of the things that were lost you know the priest authority has gone no prophets apostles uh n- nature of god is lost the mm. doctrines are corrupted ordinances are, are changed and the church obviously becomes divided um and so Great, they've got got some uh, sections here about the Renaissance, the reformers. You know, oh, that, oh, when things got better, yes, yeah, yeah. As as we're coming out of this, the Dark Ages, the Great Apostasy, and I think even in the uh, Gordon B. Hinckley Manual, uh, we just had we just had last this week, on we Sunday, just talked yeah. about reformers, yeah. yeah so yeah. you can tie that in, um, and uh, and then obviously America was discovered, the Constitution, which we love in in the in the Church, and how it. Gave uh, religious liberty to a, a place that uh, maybe wasn't as familiar with religious liberty, and then the boy kneeled down and prayed, and boom, here we are, restoration. <laughs> but really cool stuff. That was a, that was a fun way to blow through <laughs> it, folks. If I can recommend hey, a great you know, study, I, I, I love studying the apostasy. It's it's a fascinating bit of history, both with the scriptures that prophesied of it, of course, the falling away, yeah. uh, you know, all the ones in, in uh, is it Amos, where they talk about, you know, we would go thirsting, looking for the truth, and would find it not, things like that. Uh, it's very interesting. And then as, we, as it evolved into stuff like the Nicene Creed, where, mm. where, where religious scholars debated for days on the nature of God. And it's amazing that we have something like the first vision that, even though we're going to talk about multiple versions— greatly clarifies things like the nature of God and, yeah. and the Godhead and, uh, and our role in things, which is fascinating. That's why the first vision is so powerful, because I feel like so many, even seemingly minor things, were, uh, were clarified very quickly. And, yeah. and that's a huge blessing. And, and also, these are a lot of, uh, oh, no, sorry, these, these, are, these are a lot of, uh, you know, 
concepts that now it just seems we just take it for granted, right? That, it's true. You know, of, of course, you know, God is like us. He looks like us, flesh and bone. Uh, you know, he's him and uh, Heavenly Father and, and Jesus Christ are two separate beings. But, you know, we just, it's hard to think to uh, back that and realize there was a time that that stuff just, you know, wasn't even considered because uh, because of these things that you mentioned that, that happened in the apostasy, the, the Nicene Creed and, and those things. Yeah, and Trinitarian notions and such. And that's interesting because, yeah, as, as a Latter-day Saint raised in the church, it's always made sense to me that there would be two distinct corporeal beings, right, as mm-hmm. father and son. Mm-hmm. Like, I get that. I think, to me, logically, I like it. And it's not slamming any other faith by any means, but a prevalent attitude in the world is that, of course, God, the Father, Jesus, the Holy Ghost are somehow, you know, one, physically one, which is a very interesting notion and one that's that's prevailed for a very long time. And yet, through something like the, the first vision, where we saw two distinct personages that that very clearly uh, articulated and demonstrated that there is a heavenly father and his son, Jesus, as distinct beings, which, like you said, is something we take for granted. And I think it's something also as Christians, we often fail to realize that our fellow Christians don't share that exact same view. Right. And because it seems logical, I think, to many. And so it's also good to be aware of that and realize that if you want to, if you're buddies with your fellow Christians, they, the even nature of the Godhead is different. And that's why a lot of Christians view Mormons as apostates, because they also think we believe in a different God in that sense. Yeah. Because we don't yeah, believe. It's completely in this, different. Yeah. In this, in this Trinitarian thing. So uh, back to Joseph Smith then, I guess. Basically, the yeah. second section, the second section, it talks a lot about how Joseph Smith was prepared. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this is stuff you've heard uh, before, of course, he came from a good family. He, his his family was was good. They were religious. His parents cared a great deal about finding the truth and about living a religious uh, life as well. You even find that Lucy felt it was her duty uh, to be baptized, so she wanted to be a Presbyterian, for example. They really studied these things out. And, and we talk about those religious revivals that were going on at the time. And the exact dates were different. It wasn't like there was an ongoing, just like a 40-year stretch where everyone in New England was just freaking out about trying to find church, but this was definitely something that affected Joseph Smith in his youth and helped prepare him to try to find uh, truth. Now, if I can pivot to some of these these versions of the first vision, all right? But, and I say this because part of this is where Joseph Smith's mindset was, which is why I want to get in, into that. So we have four main accounts yes. that were from Joseph Smith and a number of other ones that came from others who said that Joseph Smith had related it to them at some point. Now, of these uh, various accounts, we have one from 1832, uh, which was the only one written in Joseph Smith's own hand, basically in a diary. This one's very interesting, and I'll get back to it in a second. Uh, the 1835 account uh, was when Joseph retold the account, and it was written by Warren Parrish, and it really emphasizes more about his attempt to discover the correct church. The 1832 one is a lot more about personal, about introspection and, and trying to overcome sin. Uh, the one we're all familiar with is the 1838 account, the classic one, which has some amazing and powerful language that uh, m- many of us are familiar with that I think I can still recite in Spanish, probably better than English in my head <laughs> nice. from, from yeah. my mission days, right? Uh, and then there was one written in 1842 in response to uh, editor John Wentworth in the Chicago Democrat. It was printed in Times and Seasons, but it kind of went, the Wentworth letter, as you know, was also uh, part of the genesis for the Articles of Faith. Mm-hmm. And that one was written much more for a public audience. And so we have all these different accounts. And it's very interesting when you try 
you put them all together and see what's there, what's not there, and there are differences in them. And the one I yeah. want to go back to, 1832, is very interesting because unlike the other accounts that talk a little bit more about uh, the need to find the truth and, and, and find the truth of God and bring that to the earth and build the kingdom, which Joseph Smith related you know, years after the church was organized, the 1832 one deals so much in Joseph Smith dwelling upon his own feelings of sin and iniquity and how much he was basically looking for a remission of his sins. And that's what drove him uh, to try to find God and under and have an understanding. He even felt through study and, and prayer that he didn't f- felt there was not truth that he could find among the different churches. And I think that was, it's so neat to me to study that. I don't see that as someone who has discrepancies in his account. I saw that right. as someone who, with his understanding of that point in his life, instead, because of his upbringing and the way he was he was prepared, really felt a need to overcome uh, the mortal flesh. And that's what drove right. him in many ways to seek this truth and to seek a better better understanding from God. And that's a crucial thing in that um, the Lord appeared to him and told him that his sins were forgiven. And we don't usually talk about that from the, the more known 1838 account. But I think it's just great. It's awesome. Yeah, and I, and I think, like you said, that was the driving force that, that Joseph Smith was constantly, I think, uh, concerned about in his, his mind, looking at different religions and saying, you know, how can I really, you know, receive this remission of my sins or, or forgiveness of my sins? And and obviously, I think it's important that the Lord mentioned that to Joseph in sure. that account. Uh, the, the other thing about, you know, these different accounts that that I've learned recently, as far as, you know, back in the early church, as opposed to now— now we we the the first vision is such a pillar in our teaching, you know, as missionaries, yeah. or we we bring it up, you know, it's usually in the first lesson, at least it was back when we we served in, yeah, and and you know we we put so much emphasis on this pivotal moment, this pivotal prayer where the first vision happened. Where back then, early on, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't held in that uh, that regard as much, and, and not that it was diminished or thought of less important, but I think they just had a different approach, and it was a different society, different time. And, and so I think now, um, you know, what, and that led to, you know, these different versions, and, and maybe they're being, they're, they're a little different here and there. Uh, but nonetheless, now, um, I think what sends people, spins them off into maybe a faith crisis is realizing, well, if this is such an important, you know, pillar in our religion, how could it, how could it vary from, you know, even these, these details, even though the details may not be significant. But uh, nonetheless, I think it's important to understand the, the evolution of the first vision in our theology. Yeah. And it's funny, and this is just me, this is just conjecture, but I view Joseph Smith as being someone who had this experience. It's very clear when you read the 1832 account that he was not learned at all, which is funny because the Book of Mormon had been published by that point, but (laughs) which also speaks to, I think, his inability to write it himself because you see his actual handwriting and it comes off like a very uneducated person trying to Mm -hmm. express himself. Uh, And he felt, and he said on the record, he felt inadequate in that sense, trying to express himself through writing. Um, Mm. Oh, I, almost, I think I lost my train of thought a little bit there. Kurt, oh, it's just terrible. <laughs> this happens to me. Now it does, but just, but, Jeff, now you're the Sunday school teacher. You keep teaching uh, gospel doctrine, so just don't let it happen during class. Oh, well, if it does, it's when I just vamp for a little while, and I just give it to, uh, you know, I hope somebody raises his or her hand, and I'll have it written down. Um, nice. But it's, uh, it's so cool to see these different accounts, and there are, and there's, uh, of course, there's stuff you can pick apart, and, and accounts probably change over time based on, I think, one's own understanding. Uh, and I really think that he might have seen this as a sacred thing that he didn't really discuss very much yeah. beforehand. Because, like yeah. you said, 
the Restoration era was a lot more about, you know, Moroni and the Book of Mormon and, and those sorts of things. And it really wasn't until Joseph F. Smith was president of the church back in the early 20th century that efforts were made by him to really canonize the first vision account. And that's when yeah. Joseph Smith history became part of the Pearl of Great Price. And that's when it became one of those powerful pillars of Mormonism. Um, and of course, there were years leading up to it before that, but you'll even find accounts from prophets, many after Joseph Smith, who even had uh, different understandings of what was related to them uh, through that mm-hmm. experience. So yeah. it, it saddens me that people would focus on that which is a bit different or what might be missing or that in the 1832 account, he says Lord singular, even though later on he says two people, but the, even that's open because you could argue that um, the Lord opened the path and opened the heavens and then the Lord, the because he's called Heavenly Father and Christ Lord, they both yeah. could have come out in different instances. But the main things that we see in all of them are Joseph has questions about religion, he searches the scriptures for truth, he has a vision and he speaks with God. Uh, so whether or not... You know, angels were present, like in the 1835 account, or not. We know that Joseph sought truth and received a divine visitation uh, to do that. And have you ever been to the Sacred Grove, Kurt? I have actually, and I think I took uh, I took a I took a flower out of the Sacred Grove, and I thought back later, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that. I don't think they (laughs) I don't think they like us (laughs) taking that because if everybody took one, we would just have a you know picked over dried up forest. So <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be the so sacred, I apologize de- the sacred deforestation. Yeah, that'd be terrible. Yeah, yeah. So but um, yes, I have been there. It's a great, uh, great spirit there, and uh, and I'd recommend anybody visit. And what I really enjoyed being there is while you do have missionaries with you when you tour, you know, the home reconstructions yeah. and such, they leave you to your own devices to wander the grove, and no yeah. one says this is where it happened. It's just a bigger space of land in the in the woods, and it's just. Somewhere right, you can just you can just wander around and ponder. We don't exactly know where or when, you know, to the date that it happened, yeah. but uh, so, but it happened. That's what matters. That is what matters. So there's some. I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of terrific stuff here that we can barely touch on. But think about the things we've learned from the first vision. God the Father and Jesus Christ are separate beings. That they live. That we are humans created in the image of God. We have the accounts of the power of Satan, but God's power was stronger. Um, God answers prayers, of course, and we learned that. While the churches that existed had good things, they had strayed from the full truth and the authority of God was not on the earth. We learned a lot from from the first vision uh, that set the stage for all sorts of things going forward. Um, so that's, that's sort of the gist, folks. I really hope you will take the time. We'll put some links up over at This Week in Mormons. Take the time to read some of the supplemental material. It's very, very useful. Kurt. Yes, sir. Thanks for th- having me. This thank you for fun. being here. It's good to be back in the saddle. Yeah, man. Everybody go to leadinglds.org now and, uh, you know, visit him and see the great podcasts and materials he has to help you out. Visit us at thisweekinmormons.com, of course, and follow everyone's social media channels. It'll be great. We thank you for joining us on Sunday School Bonanza Lesson 3. I had seen a vision, and I hope you have a really productive Sunday with this lesson. It can be a great one. And have a great Sabbath day. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.